welcome to Historically Haunted, a podcast that takes a look at historical locations that are reportedly haunted. To understand the hauntings, one must first look at the history behind them, because history leaves shadows that people today can still see. Let's find out their stories together and learn some cool historical facts along the way. everyone and welcome to Historically Haunted. I am your host Ariel and I am so happy to be back recording today. I had taken a few vacations in the month of June and July and after I got back from a six-day trip to Disneyland in June, I only had three weeks to turn around and get ready for another longer trip. I ended up taking a 10-day trip to North Carolina and I had a lot of fun while I was there, but taking those long trips back to back made it really hard for me to catch up on my normal day-to-day life at home. But now that I am all caught up, I am back to working on the podcast. Today's episode is a listener story episode. These episodes are different than my usual show. I have people write in their true paranormal stories and then I'm going to read them for you all. If listener episodes are not your thing, no need to worry because I'm currently working on the next main episode that is a listener suggestion episode. It will be about the history and haunted locations found in San Francisco. No, it's not Alcatraz. I am saving Alcatraz for the full episode treatment. Halloween is coming really fast, so I will be stepping up the spook factor over the next couple of months, and Alcatraz is on the list of things to cover in October. Before I begin, I wanted to thank my Patreons for your support of the show. You guys really help me out with monthly fees to keep these episodes coming, and you help me out with music and sound effects fees. Uh, If anyone is interested in signing up for my Patreon, the link is down below in the show notes. I also wanted to thank everyone for leaving me a review on the Apple Podcast app. I have a few new ones. One is from AZ Westy, and the other is from Rachel Ann 2701 Those are usernames, so I don't know if I said those right, so I apologize if I didn't. But thank you guys so much for leaving those kind reviews. I also have a lot of star reviews on there, and just leaving a star review also helps me out. So thank you all so much for those. If you want to keep up to date with me and what I'm doing and upcoming episodes, make sure to follow my Instagram page at historically underscore haunted. I also have a Facebook page that you can follow under the name historically haunted as well. Please go give me a follow on those pages so you can get a glimpse of what I'm working on behind the scenes. Links to those pages along with my website are down below in the show notes. All right, that is all I have for my updates, so let's get this episode started. Now, please remember that these are personal experiences from listeners of the show. I'm going to read them to you, and it is not my job to question or not believe these stories. So please keep an open mind, and let's treat our friends with kindness here. Because if there is one thing I have learned when studying the world of paranormal, it's that no two personal experiences are alike. And sometimes the story is so bizarre that the only explanation can be that it was, in fact, paranormal. listener story is from Jan. I live in Little Creek, California, 25 miles from Ontario. I have a few close friends that have personally experienced many things in my own house. 
A few years ago, in April of 2015, a buddy of mine came over to my house to hang out before he moved. He and I had planned to go to our local bar together, that is also haunted, to have a few beers to say goodbye. My cell phone suddenly went from 65% to dead in a matter of seconds, which was weird because it's never really done that before. The house also got very noticeably cold at the same time. I told my buddy that I was going to go put my phone on the charger and I'll be right back so we could leave. I started to walk to my room and that's when I got a very strange feeling. It was as though I was being watched and that something was wrong. I walked into my room and put my cell phone on the charger and it took a few seconds for the screen to turn on to let me know that it was charging, meaning that it was very dead for some reason. I walked out of my room, down the stairs and past the bathroom, which the door was open and the light was off. I swear I heard muffled laughing from within and I thought it was just my buddy messing with me. I walked to the door and felt a very strange feeling that something was wrong inside the bathroom and I heard a voice tell me do not go in there. I hesitated and then I tried to walk in. I felt this energy pulling me back, not allowing me to go any further than the doorway. I couldn't even put my hand through the door frame to turn on the light. I pushed as much as I could through the energy because I wanted in. I suddenly felt this strong sense of my energy being drained and I collapsed on the floor. After what felt like forever, I was finally able to stand back up. I walked into the living room and saw my buddy sitting on the couch playing on his phone and watching TV. He looked up at me quickly and said, oh, that was quick, all right, let's go. Then he did a double take and asked me what was wrong. He said I looked like death had warmed over and that I looked very sick. I told him I walked up to my room and put my phone on the charger and on my walk back, I thought he was in the bathroom messing with me and then I collapsed. He then told me that I had rushed out of the back half of the house and told him I wanted to put cologne on before I left and I would be right back. I don't know how to explain what I felt, but I still have a hard time walking from my living room to my room and have an even harder time walking into the bathroom, which I have to use daily. Only thing I can think of is a doppelganger or a glitch in reality. I didn't even wear cologne back then. Thank you so much, Jan, for sending me that story. That is very creepy. I have this, like, kind of fear of the doppelganger effect or, I don't know, the mimic game. I don't like that in the paranormal field, so your story really did creep me out. Thank you so much for sending that story to me, and I hope that things do get better in your house. Um, that's too bad that you can't really walk around down the hallway without feeling weird. I'm sorry that that's happened to you. That's definitely one of the more freaky stories I've heard of, so thank you again so much for sending me that. Our next listener story is sent in by Richard. A few years ago, my wife and I did the Queen Mary Late Night Haunted Tour, and we actually got to stay for a few hours after the tour technically ends because the guy was like, I'm not doing anything else tonight, so if you guys want to keep going, we can because we're getting a lot of activity. My wife and I were down in the engine room when we were going through door number 13. It was just me and her because during this part of the tour, you get to break off and go wherever you want for a bit, and then he will call you all back together to go to the next spot on the tour. Just as the two of us were there, we felt something hit the bottom of the walkway hard right as we were standing in door number 13. So I asked the tour guy if there was anything that could have caused this and he said no because the engines have been out of use for 40 years so there's nothing that runs down there from beneath the walkway. I can't say for sure it was the ghost of door number 13 but it was certainly interesting and a crazy coincidence if it wasn't. Thank you so much Richard for sending me your story. I think that is super creepy that that happened to you. 
Um, if you guys remember a couple episodes ago, I did a full episode on the Queen Mary and uh, Richard was talking about door number 13. Now door number 13 in the Queen Mary's engine room is where a young man accidentally got crushed to death during a water locking drill. So that's really sad and he has been known to make banging noises on the metal um, on the metal walls and also on the like the catwalks and things like that in the engine room. So maybe you did experience something from him. That is very creepy. But it's also a once in a lifetime type of experience. So thank you so much for sending me your personal paranormal story. I really think that's interesting. I don't know if you guys know this, but the Queen Mary's actually going through a lot of drama right now. The city of Long Beach that used to own the ship is actually wondering if they should just uh, kind of get rid of it altogether. It's very sad. When the pandemic hit, the ship was already in bad condition. And after the pandemic hit, the people who owned the hotel part of the ship kind of gave up on it. And now the city of Long Beach is trying to decide what to do with it at all. And some people sadly are suggesting that they just sink it and they scrap it and just get rid of it altogether, which I think is such a shame. I hope that some kind of a historical society can come in and save it last minute. I've been keeping an eye on that very closely. So I'll keep you guys updated on the ship. But thank you so much, Richard, for sending me your story. I think that is such a cool experience. Our next personal paranormal story comes to us from Les. When I was a teenager, I worked at a haunted house for the Boy Scouts known locally by everyone I knew as the Old Rock House. The house has a long history because as far as I know, it's the oldest home still standing in the area. Many stories of hauntings and deaths in the house have been told by many people. Many of these stories I heard was from the owner of the old house himself and the stories he was told by workers or other people who had worked on the house previously. Currently, the house is owned by someone else and I've heard rumors that they are turning the home into a bed and breakfast. Growing up, I had many meetings inside the house for scouts because the owner at the time was the leader slash scoutmaster of the troop I was in. When I was 18, the troop began to use the house for a fundraiser as a haunted house. The boys and their families all put together and ran. After working in the haunted house for a few years, the owner asked me the last year I worked it if I could run the house for him that year due to him having other things to do around that time. By running the house, I was in charge of getting everything together to set up the haunted house for the year and every day that we were open, unlocking the house in the evening to start and then at the end of the night locking everything back up after making a walkthrough to make sure that everything had been turned off and unplugged. Because of the age of the house, for safety reasons, we made sure that all the electronics were unplugged at the end of the night. On the night the owner asked me to run the haunted house with him, we were walking through the house talking about ideas of how to set everything up and bouncing ideas off of each other as we went. We were in the dirt floor basement and we noticed an old cellar door that was open. It was opened out into the hall area. This is original to the house, and it was a very large and heavy door. It was at least two inches thick and five foot by eight foot made of oak. We closed the door and walked up the stairs to the main floor. The stairway was right in front of the door across the hall. As we walked up the stairs to the top, the door came open again. So I walked down to close it again, both of us just figuring we didn't close it good the first time. After about 45 minutes or so of us talking and walking around, we decided to leave. The next morning, I would be back to get a few things and set up and invite others to come and help. The next morning, I unlocked the home and began to walk through the house to figure out where I wanted to start working. I headed to the basement and noticed that the same cellar door was open again. I called the owner to let him know and see what he wanted me to do to keep it closed because we didn't want it open during the haunted house and someone getting hurt. So he decided we could put a lock on the door. 
So I did, and it worked for a couple of days, and then the lock was pulled out and the door was open again a few days later. I called him again, and this time he bought me three four inch or so lag bolts, so we drove those through the frame of the door to keep the door shut. After we placed those bolts, I began to hear hard knocking on the door, but I thought it was just a sound effect I was hearing from one of the other rooms in the haunted house. Each room or set of rooms was ran by a different group of boys, so each was set up differently to their liking with different music and sound effects. The haunted house ran for the entire month of October, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and the entire week of Halloween. The first two weeks is when the door things began to happen, but on the start of the third week, I walked into the house on Thursday to check the house and get it ready. That's when I noticed that something had broken out of the cellar. The door was wide open, and the door looked to have been hit very hard from the inside to burst open outwards because the wood was splintered and cracked, and it was even bowed out as if something had hit the door hard from the inside to get out. Once again, I called the owner to report this, and we decided this time not to completely close the door. Just put a giant cinder block in front of it and keep it slightly cracked. The next night, at the end of the night, I was doing my final walkthrough of the house, making sure that everything was turned off and unplugged. I started in the basement, and I checked everything and began to hear old-time music coming from one of the upstairs bedrooms. Figuring it was one of the CD players or radios with a sound effect track in one of the rooms, I finished with the basement and walked up the stairs to find where the music was coming from, and when I got to the top of the landing, the music stopped. I walked into rooms and happened to find a radio that was still plugged in. I unplugged it, then proceeded with my checks in the other rooms. As I was heading to the front door to lock up for the night, I began to hear the same music again. Trying to make logical sense of it, I thought to myself, did I forget to unplug it and just turn it down or something? I found the radio again, and this time it was still playing. When I grabbed the cord, I realized that I had already unplugged it. I thought to myself, okay, it's got batteries. I went to look and pulled the battery back off and realized that there were no batteries inside, and then the music stopped. Then I heard a little girl <laughs> chuckle. I quickly put down the radio and proceeded to lock up for the night. The next day, I walked into the room again after the others had come in for the night, and I asked what kind of music they had in the radio, and they said that they never were able to get any music to come through whenever they used it, only white noise, and they were using it as a sound effect. I never told them about the music I clearly heard coming from the radio. It creeped me out, and after this I was very hesitant about anything in the house and did not like being in there alone. That whole weekend something creepy like that happened often. The last week came around and I began to tell one of my friends that was working at the haunted house with me in the room right next to the cellar and the stairwell about what I had been experiencing in the home. I had my back turned toward the hallway between the stairs and the cellar. I suddenly heard the same little girl chuckle coming from the stairs and the light began to flicker. I looked at him and said, someone's sister must be upstairs running around playing. So we walked up to the main floor to see if there was anyone there and we found no one. So we went back down to the same room and started talking again about the house and what had been going on inside it. And again, the same thing happened. We heard a little girl's chuckle and the light flickered, but this time the light went off. I was frozen in place, but my friend got up and turned the light back on and looked at me kind of puzzled. He asked me if I had heard any footsteps on the stairs this time. I told him no, and then the laughter happened again, very loud, this time right behind us near the stairwell, and the light turned off. We both took off through the door and out the entrance, 
We asked the group that was left if anyone had been in the house in the last few minutes, and everyone said no. We searched the house one more time, and there was no one in there. And no one had a sister, or there were any ladies there at the time. After that, I made someone stay with me every night to lock up on the last week of October. And every night, a radio would play, and we would hear that same chuckle, and then the music would stop. I haven't been back to the house or even the property since that last Halloween I worked it. Thank you so much, Les, for sending me that story. I know in your email you were worried about it being too long, but I think it was a really good length. You gave some great details about the house that really helped us understand your story. Thank you so much for sending that. Um, you are way braver than I am. If I heard a little girl laughing and found a radio that was playing music without it being plugged in, I would have been out of there. I also like the way you were trying to debunk everything and being really rational about it because I probably would have freaked out, but you were just trying to think of any plausible explanation for all the events that happened to you until it just became too much. I would have started having somebody with me to lock up every evening from day one of the door incident, so you are way braver than me. Thank you so much for sending me your story. Our next listener's story is from Morgan. My name is Morgan, and I live and am from Louisiana. I was raised in Omaha, Louisiana, which is kind of a boring place to live. All throughout my life, I have felt like I was different, and around the age of 10, me and my grandmother took a trip to Natchez. I think I'm saying that right. Is it Natchez? Sorry if I said that wrong, everybody. <laughs> On the way to Natchez, we stopped in St. Francisville. That might sound familiar because that is where the Myrtle's Plantation is, and I remember that you did an episode on it once. And this is where I had the most terrifying event of my life. We were taking the tour like usual when something caught my eye. We were in the entrance and the tour guide was telling us about the glass with the crosses on them. I looked over and my eyes go wide and I see a woman in the mirror and holy crap, I was frozen. The tour guide was looking at me weird as I stood there staring at the mirror, not moving, not blinking. The tour guide was able to snap me out of it as I stumbled backwards about to cry. The tour guide asked me what was wrong, and I was stuttering on my words with my eyes still wide. I eventually got my words out and said, there's a demon in your mirror. The entire tour group was like, what the heck? The tour guide started laughing and explained to me the story of Sarah and Chloe and the children. That story still makes me emotional because those kids in Sarah and Chloe didn't deserve that. I have a ton of haunting experiences. I am the only one in my family who can sense spirits. I am also the only one who has a huge interest in the old Antebellum South and plantation homes. I still love them and will go to these haunted places. Thank you so much for sending me that story, Morgan. I can't believe that you actually saw the woman in the mirror. I remember doing a lot of research for the Myrtle's Plantation, even though it was a couple years ago. And the one thing I did find is that kids see Chloe the most. And also it seems like kids see the uh, woman in the mirror as well. So a lot of people think the woman in the mirror is Chloe, by the way, if anyone doesn't know. But I also ran into reports of people seeing the children in the mirror and Sarah in the mirror. I find that really fascinating that you were one of the people that witnessed this because there's been countless stories of this happening to people. And, uh, you know, with the TV shows, you take things with a grain of salt. But I really think there's something to this mirror. I found a ton of people claiming to have seen something weird in that mirror when they've gone on tours before. So I really do think you saw something. I also find it fascinating that you're drawn to the Antebellum South. I myself am drawn to Civil War history. I always have been. Ever since I was a kid, I felt a strong connection to that time period. I have no idea why. But it just, it feels like the Civil War. I, I know more about the Civil War history than I do any other time period. I really liked your story, Morgan. Thank you so much for sending it in. 
Our next listener story comes to us from the household system. A friend and I wanted to go hiking about two months ago, and we didn't plan exactly where until it was time to go. We found a trail on Google Maps, and we didn't even know which part of the Daniel Boone National Forest it was in until we were driving there. It's called Star Arch Gap, but we definitely didn't see anything like the pictures showed. Basically, a really cool arch. After some research, we found out that Google Maps takes you to the wrong place. We went about 30 to 45 miles too far, thanks to my Google Maps having us double back. Then we took another wrong turn down a creepy road, which was very scary for my friend to drive on. When we finally found the road that led to the trail, I was immediately filled with mild amounts of anxiety and negative energy. I won't say the full name of the road because it seemed like people lived on it, but it had cemetery in the name. We never saw a cemetery, but it could have been in the no trespassing area, which led the other direction. We had to park nearby and walk up the rather steep road. On the way, we noticed a gray cat who looked terrified of us at the start of the road, and this ended up being the only animal we saw or heard in the forested area. We didn't even hear birds. We also saw a wheelchair that had been tossed against a tree and a mini car for kids to ride in over the cliff in the stream. Once we got up the road, we went down the only feasible trail past an older looking trailer. We walked around the corner and up a little hill and found two paths, one that led towards the direction of the road and the other in the complete opposite. At this point, the previous felt anxiety was rising because the area was covered in trees and it felt more and more odd and negative the further we went. As we walked in the opposite direction of the road, I started to take notice of a sound. It was only when we were walking on the dirt path that we both heard a small stepping in the grass next to us. Now, I didn't want to say anything at first to not freak my friend out and snakes were our concern, so I had my friend pick up a stick. I did as well just in case there was a snake slithering at us. I did bring it up eventually because it started to really freak me out. My friends said they were hearing it too. We kept going until we hit another fork. We decided to go left again after some oddly deep consideration. I took some cute pictures of my friend because that's always good and we went up. At the top of the small hill, the path split in two again. I felt really weird about it. The path to the left looked like it led back to the trailer and the path to the right was covered in grass so we were both thinking maybe we should just leave. I saw a bumblebee and then we started to walk away. My friend suddenly told me to hush. Then they said, I thought I heard a bell. It was at this point with my combination of anxiety and feeling of negativity that I finally said, we need to get out of here like right now. Because if I had learned anything from my time of being haunted, you listen to your gut. When I heard them say that, I immediately felt terrified for us. I asked to run, but they said no, which was fine and understandable because we're both weak physically. On the walk back, it felt like we weren't just being watched, but being followed. Then I heard heavy boot type footsteps running at us from behind. Yelling obscenities, I ran forward a bit, turned back for my friend only to see them to be confused. I explained and they said they didn't hear anything. Then I finally convinced them to run back down the hill. I kept my eyes on them the whole time because I felt like they could just disappear into the forest if I didn't. We kind of laughed when we hit the original hill down because of the steepness. We made it back to the main road and after a quick breather, we walked down the hill discussing what had happened. When we got to the car, we agreed never to go to this place again. Honestly, I think we should have turned around at the wheelchair. Thank you so much for sending me that story. I think that is really fascinating and very, very creepy. I've heard of that happening before where someone in the group hears something that no one else does. No idea why that happens, but the fact that Google Maps sent you to a haunted forest is kind of creepy. 
When it comes to paranormal, most people think of houses or abandoned hospitals or asylums or things like that, but I think a lot of people forget that the woods can be just as creepy. Not to mention you've got your average cryptid sightings out there, but there's also this weird energy that the woods have. Maybe it's spiritual, maybe it's the fae, we don't know, but there is something about the woods and I do think it's possible to have haunted areas out there in the woods. I also found it really interesting that your body kind of reacted to the situation. Like as soon as you showed up near the area where you were going to go hiking, you started feeling the anxiety feeling. And it sounded like that you have experience in the haunted realm anyway. So when your friend said that they had heard a bell and they started hearing things too, that's when you decided it was time to leave. Like you said in your email, very important to listen to your gut, especially when it comes to the paranormal. Thank you so much for sending in your true paranormal story. Last few stories I have comes to us from Myla and Myla's brother. Myla had sent me a listener's episode story last time I did one, and if you remember the story about the haunted schoolhouse and the mean ghost cat from the graveyard and the haunted plank of wood, then that was Myla's story. Now, Myla has sent me a little update, so I'm going to read the update for you guys about more hauntings that uh, Myla has discovered on the property, and then I'll also talk about Myla's brother's paranormal uh, story as well. There wasn't much ghost activity last year here, but a few weeks ago some crazy stuff happened. I will get into that in a moment, but first, when I sent you the email last year, I neglected to include something, mainly because I didn't think it was very paranormal, but I used to see orbs around the property every night for years. One of the last ones I saw literally flew up and nearly hit my brother's nose. They came in all different colors, and they were like the size of a softball, though they could be a bit bigger or smaller. Frankly, I don't think they were ghosts. They acted a bit more like a cryptid, but they definitely were not normal. Also, while the rest of the family couldn't see them, they could feel them. When they got close to my brother, he could actually feel movement. About a week or two after I sent you the first email, my brother, who I think attracts ghosts or something, saw a tall, dark figure about six feet tall and thin. He does admit that it might have been his imagination because they disappear before his eyes when he looks up at them. Okay, now recent history. And quite a bit has happened to me recently. So anyway, about three weeks ago, my brother and I were just sitting down in the morning talking about stuff, and we hear this loud clap behind me. We looked back there and nothing was there. A few days later, we were getting ready for bed, and as I passed the kitchen, bam, I saw a figure standing right there, and it looked like it was smiling at me. Needless to say, I jumped out of my skin, but by the time I had gathered my senses, it was gone. Also during this time, I was sleeping absolutely horridly, and I think it might have had something to do with the paranormal activity in the home. A few nights later, the ghost cat finally returned, which I was expecting earlier due to the increasing paranormal activity. Here is a bit of background so that what I'm about to say makes sense. So one of our cats had passed away recently and she was super cuddly and stuff and would snuggle up to us. She was super sweet. So anyway, I was asleep and I feel this normal cat weight right beside my bed, as well as a sudden rush of cold air. So I was thinking it was our cat. I open my eyes and see this cat that looks nothing like any of our cats, and then it disappears. So I am still thinking it must be Kata because of how groggy I am. So I swipe my hand above my head and realize one, Kata is dead, and two, there was not a cat there at all. This does confirm one thing though, the ghost cat is a calico. 
thank you so much, Myla, for sending me your story. I think it's really interesting that you have a ghost cat, but also your house sounds very active with paranormal activity. But compared to the last one you sent me, it sounds like the paranormal activity comes in waves. Like, cause you mentioned that there had been nothing for a long time and then all of a sudden it just kind of kicks back up again. So thank you so much for sending me that update on your haunted schoolhouse. Our last listener story is from Myla's brother, Zayden, and he is braver than I am because he got a really cool EVP in a ghost town and I'm gonna tell you that story right now. So my mom thought I should take an EVP in the music room at the Fayette's ghost town, but she didn't actually think that EVPs were real, but she did believe in ghosts. So we decided to try it and I walked through the door that would have been the old girls dressing room door if it was still in use. I heard an EVP of a woman say, you forgot to close the door, which I had already done and more proof was that it was just my mom and I inside the room. Plus all the doors in the entire place just swings closed if you forget to close them yourself. The EVP was attached to this email, so I got to hear it for myself, and it is clear as day. So if that truly wasn't someone inside the room telling him that, that was a really good catch for an EVP. I'm actually going to send another email back to Myla and Zayden and see if I can get permission to use the EVP in the next episode so you guys can hear it as well. So I didn't do that this time because I didn't get the okay to do that, but I'm gonna ask if I can show it to you guys, or at least, you know, let you guys listen to it for the next episode. So if I do get permission, it is really, really cool. And uh, if not, that's okay too. But thank you again to Myla and Zayden for sending me those emails. So that's all of the listeners' stories I have for you guys today. Thanks again to everyone who sent me an email with your listener's story. I really loved reading them out loud, and I hope you guys like listening to them. I hope that I did these stories justice. Um, if it sounded like my energy was a little lower than usual as you started listening to this, it sounded like I was at a high and then I was kind of at a low. It's because over the last uh, week, I got some really uh, sad news from a family member, a close family member of mine. And I'm not ready to talk about it just yet. This isn't my grandfather. This is something that kind of came out of left field for me. So I've been having a really hard time concentrating and getting just to even be in the mood to record. Um, when things happen to my immediate family, I get really uh, like tensed up and I kind of just go really quiet and just want to do nothing on my, you know, downtime. But I've been fighting through that anxiety and the fear that I'm feeling at the moment. I've been fighting through that really hard to get these episodes out to you guys. For my Patreon listeners right now, I am working really hard on the next episode for my bonus cast. I know I haven't been doing it much, but my next one is going to be on Grandfather Mountain. And for you guys, my normal listeners, I am doing the episode on San Francisco. So I'm trying to do both at the same time to get them done as quickly as I can. But like I said, this week was supposed to be my rally week after my trip and it turned into a really sad emotional roller coaster of a week for me but I really hope that you guys enjoyed these listener episodes and I hope I did them justice and I hope I'm not too down with my you know my voice sounding because I want to be here for you guys and I want to be happy all the time but sometimes life just doesn't work that way and it's sad but you know but I'm still here and I'm still making episodes and 
I also don't like talking about this kind of stuff because it sounds like to me like I'm making excuses, but it's just what's going on with me at the moment. So I just wanted to let everyone know what's going on with me. Like I said, I'm not really ready to talk about what it is exactly just yet, but I am working through it the best way I can, and I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. If you're interested, links to my Patreon page and my Instagram and my Facebook and also my website are down below in the show notes. Um, thanks again so much for listening. Stay healthy and safe, and I will see you guys back here really soon on Historically Haunted. Thanks, everybody. Bye. I have never been shy about talking about my struggles with dyslexia, but I also think it is really important for people to know the signs so that they can get help. Dyslexia is a learning disability that is not well known, but it is way more common than you might think. In fact, one in 10 people are diagnosed with dyslexia. Some of the common signs is late talking, learning new words slowly, writing letters backwards, and a delay in reading and spelling. There is no cure for this, and although it's challenging, it does not mean that we are stupid because dyslexia does not affect intelligence. It is better for children to get diagnosed early so that they can get accommodations they need in school. If you are an adult and think that you might have it, it is never too late to ask for help. One website I find helpful is dyslexiaaid.org, where you can find out some great information. Understanding and educating others about dyslexia is just as important as diagnosing someone with it.